Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Eyes in the Mind. My name is John, and that's Ian. I'm here. Yay. Yay. We kind of took a week off there, kind of unintentionally, but uh, Ian's life is hectic. Uh, when when duty calls, and I don't mean the other duty, <laughs> it's, it's army life. When, when army work says, like, you need to stay late for work, it's kind of hard to say, no, I have a podcast to go record. <laughs> yeah, real life takes precedence over, you know podcast life i mean but anyways gots to get paid somehow right exactly anyways this is uh episode 68 constructed states where we're going to talk about the state of standard the state of modern and we'll if we have time talk a little bit about mtg arena because codes are going being sent out for it yeah um jealous a lot actually yeah 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 anyways uh, first up, we're going to turn our eyes to the community real quick because there were two articles that kind of caught our eye in the uh, interim weeks. Uh, the first one was one that I think went up, like, just tonight. It's uh, October 25th, which is by Daniel Fournier, or Fournier, Fournier, on Fournier. Uh, Men and Magic Building Community, which I strongly encourage you read. Uh, I think it's, it's as close to required reading as I can, as I can think. Yeah, I didn't do that, but, I mean, initial reaction looked like it was pretty amazingly well done of a uh, article. Everyone, uh, it, I mean, when I see female members and women members of the MTG community saying, like, yo, if you're a guy and you want to know how to help build a community, go read this article, like, that's some pretty decent praise right there. So, I, yep. I, I admit I will need, like I only saw it like right before we started doing the show notes for this. I didn't actually have a time to dig into it, but I know I'm gonna go. I want to actually go read it. So yeah, there'll be a link in the uh, the, the the description. Uh, the other thing is that the Ixalan story wrapped up last week uh, with Jay skidding knocked in the head, and suddenly all his memories are leaking. All literally. over the all over the place. It was all. Uh, it's a thing, but. Uh, Chas Andres did a story Q and A with the uh, with the uh, the creative team, and there's ten questions that he asks, and then they give ten answers. And surprisingly enough, they were very coy on the answer about future plot points. Yeah, you know, like you'd think they wouldn't give spoilers, but what is kind of cool is we got some interesting backstory on a planeswalker we really don't know a whole lot about, and that's Angrath, who is the Minotaur ish, I guess. I, I think it's very clear he's a Minotaur. All right, so apparently he's a family guy, and he just like he's like a blacksmith, and in his off time he just kind of planeswalks other planes, and then brings back trinkets and stuff for his kids. But he planeswalked to Ixalan and then got stuck, and that's apparently why he's so peeved at everything is because he wants to go home to his kids. I mean, it wouldn't be the craziest backstory for a planeswalker, although I feel like that. That description was heavily tongue-in-cheek. Even so, if that is the case for Angrath, like, it's a pretty cool little backstory you don't get. It would be very cool. Because it's like, most often, like, when you have Planeswalkers, they're like, you know, Jace, like, all of the Guild Pact, or Liliana, who, all of her craziness with the Chain Veil and everything like that, or Chandra, who was hunted down, you know, and her plane sparked and had to go live with monks, or Gideon, who killed all his friends, and went to a whole different plane and t- adopted a new life. This is like, that's some dude who just has kids. 
Well, there's been there has been some interesting threads in the past about how we see a lot of planeswalkers igniting their sparks through um, moments of intense strife and struggle, um, and when it's really like any heightened emotion that could potentially cause it. Um, so, who knows? Who knows? Uh, anyways, let's go ahead and uh, look directly and look at the state of standard, which is still looking, you know, pretty good. It's got mono red. It's got control. Scarab God. The the still kind of spicy breakout decks are still the tokens decks of the Esper and Abzan variety, playing hidden stockpiles, anointed processions, legions landings to accrue. A whole bunch of tokens and a whole bunch of value, and eventually kill your opponent with your finisher of choice, uh, whether that is blue for Scarab God or and um, uh, about search for Ezcanta or green uh, for things like Vraska. I mean, honestly, the the funniest card in any of these decks is Fumigate. So you're gonna like you'll pump out a bunch of tokens and intentionally wipe your board of everything you just did. Because you gain life, because you might have like 200 creatures out on the board, and then it's like, oops, now I'm at 240 life. How are you going to kill me? Yeah, uh, Vinny, uh, guest on the podcast, is very, uh, he has played these token decks before and is very good at playing with them. And oh, yeah. uh, he says, like, his mirror breaker right now is uh, Marionette Master. Dude, that card is stupid. All right, so. I actually, <laughs> in, in what little free time that I've had to play, I have popped into a league or two. Uh, with standard teamer energy because it's a good deck and i actually had funnily enough it was like the cheapest for me to fill it flesh out online because i had a lot of it from red green pummeler which is kind of all the key components are there but anyway i ran into this really weird marionette master deck that just played like all of the low mana artifacts like renegade map and stuff like that and was it treasure map was a big yep. one in it so basically they play treasure map um they get the marionette master in the graveyard i forget which card they used i told you about the i forget what card they used yeah. to dump it in oh it was um oh was this gosh. mono black again no this was the blue and black one it's the uh oh it was the strategic one you, planning no the one you draw it's the creature you draw cards oh champion of wits yeah champion of wits it's, they they ditch in the yard with the champion of wits draw and then a couple turns later, they Hour of Eternity for X equaling one. Yeah. Target the Marionette Master, bring it back. But this time they've already gotten their treasure map flip. Or their, yeah, the treasure map flip to the backside. So they gained the three token, or they gained the three, uh, they have three the treasures. treasures. They have three treasures. Marionette Master's on the battlefield as a 4 4. They fabricate 300 to make it a 7 7. And then they go sack, sack, sack me for 21 which is very spicy they just machine gun you down and i'm like <laughs> I, I i couldn't even stop them i'm like yeah i don't even run disallow in this deck come on man <laughs> yeah uh so yeah tokens are pretty popular um teamer energy is still kind of the top dog of the metagame it's still kind of the way that i see it is it's essentially three color good stuff i think that's probably fair yeah, I, I feel like like so for a while towards the beginning of the meta, everyone was kind of going that fourth color because you can really cheat on your mana base because you're running essentially four land tutors with a tomb with aether plus you have server the conduit which fixes your mana as a mana uh, any color mana dork, and you've got four aether hub which is literally any color as long as you have an energy which there are a lot of cards that create energy in this deck, hence the name. 
so and that was the obviously splash in the black for scarab god a lot of the decks recently have moved away from like the scarab god plan and are literally just streamlining the crap out of it um chandra's in the main deck again two of because yep. she's yep. just good uh funnily enough there was a standard iq in roanoke that we got results for so brad nelson plays third with it he's running two sky sovereign in the main which is really weird i mean sky sovereign attacks through a lot of things and kills planeswalkers oh yeah um the big thing that's really kind of happened with these decks is confiscation could used to be a one of in the main one of in the board it's now a two of in the main in most decks that i've seen recently yeah Um, it's good also new tech that's kind of like what people thought might be there, but actually has finally wormed its way in, is Carnage Tyrant. Yeah, Carnage Tyrant, real hard to deal with. Big Dino's finally making its way in. It's just a one-of in the main, one-of in the board for the one uh, Frank Scarron's list that won the Standard Classic last weekend at uh, SCG Cincinnati. But it's it's a spicy include, and I'm happy it's actually seeing play. Not quite justifying its $20 price tag per copy, I don't think it's doing that yet. I wonder how much of that is just the dinosaur tax. Uh, it's also the price memory. The price hasn't fallen because when everyone's like, yeah. oh my god, it's going to be the best card dinos in standard, blah, blah, blah. And like it shot up and I was like, oh wait, it's not that playable. I mean, it's still good. I mean, it can't be countered. It has hexproof. It does. The only thing to kill it is th- are like other things in combat, like other carnage tyrants. Just uh, putting the multi- sweepers. Yeah, just putting multiple things in front of it. Like I know that uh, Saffron Olive did a video where there's it's the Carnage Tyrant combo of you play Tyrant, then you do Onward to Victory on it, and you attack for a uh, fourteen Trampling Double Strike. Uh, it's pretty good. Barf, 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 barf. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, but the big thing that's been kind of coming out of this that I found very very interesting is that. There's been a lot of discussion about whether the energy mechanic was a mistake. And I mean, like, capital M mistake, not like a lowercase m mistake. Like, a lowercase m mistake would be like, I don't know, putting Squadron Hawk in the same standard as, as something with that brainstorms every turn. That might be a lowercase mistake. They're talking like big mistake, like affinity level mistake. Yeah, or like infect or storm kind of. Well, not really storm. Storm is a capital storm is never- M infect. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, Storm, capital M. In fact, lowercase m, in my opinion. As we've seen, but yeah, we'll mention that later. But no, yeah, it's... um. So I put it down in, like, no, something that talking about it. We kind of mentioned a while back. I know barely touched on it, but energy is absolutely a parasitic mechanic. And probably yep. more so than uh, R&D was thinking it would be. Um, literally, you need a critical mass of energy. Yes. Period. Um, to do that, you play energy cards. Like, okay, so I'm just going to look at, just looking at Frank Scarron's list again, referencing that, because, you know, most recent first place deck. In the main board of the 23 creatures it runs, four of them are not from Kaladesh. It's three Glorybringer, one Carnage Tyrant. Every other creature in there has the energy symbol in it. Yep. Of its spells the majority of them have energy in it. Actually, I won't say majority of them. There's there's one extra one. It's seven. It's a 7-6 seven, split between it, but it's like 4-2 with 8. There are two Confiscation Courier energy cards. The other ones are Magma Sprite, Essence Scatter. Those are both, and Supreme Will, all one-ofs. Oh, wait, never mind. No. There's 10, so there's only three that aren't energy-related. Yeah, there's a lot of energy in the deck. 
Like it's yeah. it's utterly insane. Like there's actually it's probably easier to count the amount of cards that don't have energy. Six. Seven, yeah. yeah, it's in the main deck, non creatures, non lands. So there's four, six, seven, nine, right? nine. Okay. Three Glorybringer, one Carnage Tyrant, two Chandra, Magma Spray, Essence Scatter, Supreme Will. That's it. Everything else in the main deck creates energy. And yep. it's, it's you, you can't, you don't have a lot of flex slots in a deck like this. Well, I think that, um, yes, energy was parasitic. And I think that that was going to be true regardless. However, I still, I am still a big fan of energy and I don't think that it is like, a massive mistake. I think that it does kind of have the um, the block monster problem. Yes, absolutely. Where in order to play an energy deck, you need to play with energy cards. Um, and where are the only energy cards found? Well, they're found in Kaladesh and Aether Revolt. So while that's definitely true, I think that a lot of the other talk has been like, they just tagged on energy onto these otherwise playable cards. And I'm like, I don't think that's entirely true. Because you're not playing Bristling Hydra if it's, you know, a 4-mana four 4-3 four, that you can, say, pay 3-mana and give it Hexproof and a plus plus encounter until end of turn or whatever. Uh, you, you're you not playing uh, Tune with Ether if it's Lay of the Land. You're not playing Servant of the Conduit if it's a 2-mana two 2-2 two, two that makes makes a mana every turn or, like, right. three tur- or like once every two turns or whatever. It's like how do you, um, th- how do you how do you non how do you non energize Long Tusk Cub? <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, like Long Tusk Cub would be it would have to be like just a straight up uh, whenever it hits whenever it hits a player put a plus one counter on it. But I think that or whenever you hit a player put two uh, generic mana into your mana pool, pay two mana put a counter on it. Yeah, it could be that. But I think that it's just the fact that in, that Kaladesh was very very powerful. Kaladesh was in, an inherently very powerful set. Um, like Smuggler's Copter and Felidar Gov- and Felidar Guardian and Etherworks Marvel are all banned from it. Yeah. So I think that it's not a problem with the mechanic as it sits. I think the mechanic's a great mechanic. I am eagerly awaiting it coming back. But I think that the issue is more so that um, they ob- they obviously learned. Yes, from this, and they're not gonna make. I wouldn't say the same lowercase m mistake that they did with this set in terms of well plus again if we were ever to see energy again it's gonna have to probably be in a core set I would assume I think that I could see coming back to Kaladesh at some point in the, in the future and having bringing energy back if we're gonna see energy like in the near future I could see it being in a core set or in um, like so, a, a uh, like a Ravnica set like could you imagine like the is it using energy? I could. I mean, we have heard mention of uh, Ral's Eric again in the yeah. story, so... But, no, I but... mean, the thing with energy is um, it has to fit, and as Mark Rosewater was constantly pointing out, like, in order for energy to work in Limited, you have to have a lot of energy sort. You have to have a lot of energy makers and payoffs. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing, like, it's, again, what, why Team or Energy is so few in the flex spots, you have to have that critical mass of if you make some like something that I could see probably coming back is a long tusk cup. Like, yeah, it's, it's literally, it fuels itself. It's one of yes. those, it generates it and it's an output for it. Like if you just put a long tusk tub on the board, it's literally a bear. It yep. does 
nothing else until it hits an opponent. And then you can start getting some value out of it. It's not like, I mean, even World of Virtuoso, you can put it on the battlefield and you can pay just a one-off with it, but you're not generating after that. So World of Virtuoso... I think a lot of it's also that Magic players... No, go for it. I was saying World of Virtuoso in a vacuum where you just get that one-off three energy to make a token, Thopter, you'd probably not be as inclined to play it unless it was something like pay four mana to make a Thopter, pay four mana to make a Thopter kind of thing as like a mana outlet. Yeah. Uh, I do think that this is more an issue of Magic players love to complain about whatever the best deck is, even if it's not like capital B broken, like Marvel or Sahili combo or vehicles with Smuggler's Copter and the like. Um, I think that uh, Team Energy is good. And I think it's the best deck, but I don't think it's... Um, Oh, it's beatable. It's broken. It's absolutely yeah. beatable. It's not like, oh god, this is just you go like it doesn't have like an overwhelming win percentage against the field. Like decks can beat it. Yeah, I think it's fine. I like. I mean, I play it. It's enjoyable. It's kind of like what I want to do. It's it's a weird mid rangey kind of deck. Yeah, but it. I don't know. I think it's fine for standard like. If that's the best deck, but you also have to have an answer for Ramanop Red, but also a control deck as well, because you have white-blue approach to the sun, but you also have white-red approach now, which is kind of cool. Yeah, the white-red deck is hilarious. Um, that's for Sunbird's Invocation. It, yeah. Basically, the, it looks to play Sunbird's Invocation on 6, and then when you pl- cast your approach on 7, you let get to look at the top 7 card of your library and then cast your next approach if you have it in there for free instantly. Yeah. So you don't even have to wait the turns or turn through your deck. You just go like, uh, turn seven, win. Exactly. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. But it's... I like where Standard is at right now. Standard as a format... And it, it seems in the community too, people, yeah, they'll gripe about energy itself, but really people aren't being like, this meta game stinks and stuff like that. It's just like, okay... It's standard. Yeah. You can, There's a you lot can, of play. You can bring a brew to the table and be fine with it. And I honestly think that's a sign of a good format, is if, or a healthy format, is if you can bring a decent brew to the table and have a good chance of winning. Yeah. You just need to have the answers. So. Yeah. And I'll still play Mono Red and burn your face. Jerk. I know. Anyways... <laughs> Uh, let's move on to modern because uh, we have a modern uh, PT uh, PT coming up at the top of the year, and uh, lately modern has been pretty diverse. I mean, it's always a fairly diverse format, but it seems to be in a pretty in a pretty good spot as it sits. Yeah. Again, John and I usually use MTG Goldfish for our metagame percentage pools and stuff like that, and this has got to be one of the flattest metagame percentage curves. I can remember seeing in a long time. Like, the most played... I mean, granted, I guess we can also take into account the fact that we're not, probably not seeing as many decks as we used to, given the changes The deck list to, change. Yeah, the changes to the deck lists. But even... Because the most amount of decks we see for Affinity is 32, and then it's like, after the top six decks, it's below 20. But it's still... Affinity's 7%. It's still the number one played deck in the meta. In the meta, it shows up the most, and I mean, you know, it's affinity. It's always yeah. been around. It's gonna be around until they 
Bam Mox Opal. <laughs> Until they ban Opal or Plating, I think. Affinity is always going to be around. And even and if Opal isn't that much of an egregious offender anymore. No. It's not as but, much. But it's, a, it's Affinity. It's there. But exactly. if that's the most played deck, it's 7%. <laughs> and I'm rounding up, too. Yeah. And everyone plays their Stony Silences, their Nature's Claims, their Creeping Corrosions, their Shatter Storms. You bring your affinity hate regardless of what you're going to do. Yeah, it's just like, if you don't come to a fight planning for artifact hate, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And then the other big thing is that Death Shadow does not appear to be as kind of predominant as we had seen it before. It's I think everyone's kind of gotten used to it. Yeah, it's waned a little bit, plus the metagame has adapted mostly. People are have learned how to pack the proper hate for it. It's like it, it's just another thing where the community's like, oh my god, this deck is everywhere, ban it, blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, calm down. Give it like a little while and the format will adjust. And it adjusted. Hell, Titan shifts back in the top oh, five. Yeah. Like, it's crazy cool. Yeah, and like we had this past weekend was SCG Cincinnati, which was modern, and the top eight is... In order, from 1st to 8th, 5-Color Humans, Blue-Red Storm, Counter's Company, Blue-Green Merfolk, Infect, Affinity, Black-White, Eldrazi and Taxes, and Death and Taxes. Yeah, so let's talk about some of those top 5 decks, or this top decks. <laughs> Blue-Green Merfolk? Humans? Like, what? It turns so, out, while, while Ixalan may not have made a major impact in Standard, holy crap, it has literally warped a classic modern uh, deck literally yeah. into playing a second color. Yep, blue-green Merfolk playing Kumena, uh, Kumena Speaker, Kopala, which I believe, like, I'm pretty sure that, that when Wizards printed Kopala, they were like, this pers- this card is just 100% seeing play in Merfolk. It's not quite Strictly Better Kira, but it's close enough to Strictly Better Kira. It's Kira that can take advantage of Lords. Exactly, and the, the top eight list by uh, Jeremy Berter... Bertorioni has uh, one Kopala and one Kira. I think, honestly, I I don't play Merfolk, obviously. I honestly think that seems like the perfect split. It probably does. The The card that I just saw, spotted in the sideboard is two copies of Deep Root Waters. That's hilarious. Uh, for those of you who may not know, because the card's not great. It's a two and a blue enchantment at Uncommon in Ixalan. Whenever you cast a Merfolk spell, Merfolk spell, Create a 1-1 one, one blue Merfolk creature token with Hexproof. Okay, so I'll say this. Probably comes in against the control decks. Oh, absolutely. Also, by the way, Merfolk Branchwalker is in these decks, which is also hilarious. Oh, it's great. Like, it's literally a better... Sil- it's like almost Silvergill Adept. Yeah. But you don't have to worry about the three-mana attacks to reveal a You either Merfolk. get a 3-2 that scries one, or you get a 2-1 uh, that draws you a land. It's it's a good card. <laughs> sure, it makes your masters of the pro or not masters. It takes your master of ways worse, which is why he's only playing one. But still, it's hilarious. Oh, and also, Kamena Speaker is basically going to be a two-two all of the Just time, every single time. Two mana, one one, two mana or one mana, two-two is great value. Yeah. And um, then. Um, Let's move on to five color humans because this is a deck that has existed uh, a few. Uh, it's existed before uh, because it uses Cavern of Souls and Ancient Ziggurat, a card that it's a land from uh, Conflux. It looks like uh, add yep. one mana of any color to your mana pool. Spend this mana only to play creature spells. 
Yeah. So. Oh, and of, unclaimed territory. And unclaimed territory. Yeah. Again, there's your influence from uh, Ixalan. But now this is looks kind of similar to. All right. So it wasn't. It was a ally deck that Tim Willoughby played with me at uh, GP San Antonio when we did the Team Modern. But like this is kind of shooting along that same line. It's you're picking like a tribe and going with it instead of allies, oh. which was a bunch of humans, but this is humans. It's freaking crazy, and I love it. The other uh, Ixalan card in here is Kitesil Freebooter. Oh, talk about a card that had its foil spike recently. <laughs> yeah, Kitesil Freebooter is great. By the way, the, the five-color humans deck seeks to abuse Champion of the Parish, a one-mana, one-one human soldier, that whenever another human comes into play, put a plus-plus counter on it. Uh, Thalia's Lieutenant, which is, which is the bigger Champion of the Parish, uh, and then other powerful humans like Mayor of Everbrook, which is a human lord, Meddling Mage, Mantis Rider, Noble Hierarch. Oh, man. The deck you is know, just all power. Okay, so I was wondering why the heck Meddling Mage was going up in price. This makes sense now. Yep. Like, I was, uh, like, I was like seeing Meddling Mage on, like, the uh, Meddling Mage going up on the uh, the interest list. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, there's actually a, a, a clip from the open of a turn two kill in Modern with five color humans playing against Storm. Hold on, what? <laughs> humans player goes, turn two meddling mage, name grape shot. Storm player concedes. <laughs> oh my god, that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, let me just take your win con out of the deck. Cause, wait, exactly. Because uh, their current current storm decks don't really play any other kind of like burn or kill spell, right? Uh, no burn in the main deck. No other storm wind condition in the main deck either. If you're um, if you're all in on this on the grape shot plan, although seeing meddling mage makes me want to think about moving one of my empties from the sideboard to the main deck. Can I just say though that speaking of storm and Ixalan, opt so yes. happy so happy at seeing play. Oh yeah, Opt is very good. I haven't had enough. I haven't had any official matches with Storm since Opt sprinting, but I have. Uh, I have tested with it, and it's good. I like it. That's one of those like, everyone's like, "Oh my god, it's finally in modern." Yes, but I think that it's the right power level too. I think it's not as. Uh, it's not as good as Preordain. Obviously, Preordain is just Scry two sorcery speed draw card is better than Scry one draw card, but. I do like what Opt does for the deck. And it's not um, quite Serum Visions, but you actually get to do the Scry before the draw, which is not terrible. It's just not terrible. I mean, given the choice on turn one, I'd still rather them Serum Visions because I like having the ability to see more cards, but Opt is still good. can also mention it has hit some Infect decks as well. <laughs> of course. Because <laughs> speaking not... of Infect, not dead. Woo! Infect 2017, <laughs> boys! <laughs> not quite dead yet uh it's on life support but it actually has it put up uh it made the top eight and in the hands of Kenyon collins and it actually uh emma took it to uh sixth in the classic not the, like yeah, the, the nice. side event of it with some spicy jace Vince prodigy mainboard tech Ooh. Yeah, JVP. That is that is some spice. Uh, so I had actually seen uh, JVP in some standard or in some main boards of it back 
you know, when he was first coming out, people were like, is Jace good? Some people actually did just play one or two Jace back in the day. Um, as for Infect players, Emma's put a lot of reps in with the deck, and I mean a lot. She knows that, like, she even was tweeting, like, Infect is probably, like, the deck that I'm most comfortable and familiar with in terms of sheer amount of reps, and she's damn good with it. So if she's playing JVP, I kind of trust her uh, yeah. thing. Fun fun cyborg tech, Shaper Sanctuary. Yeah, Shaper Sanctuary, That's pretty good. For, for those who don't know what that is, that is the one mana, so it's a green mana enchantment from Ixalan. Uh, whenever a creature you control becomes the target of a spell or an ability an opponent controls, you may draw a card. So it's basically conceding the fact that, yeah, you're going to be playing Fatal Pushes, yeah, you're going to be trying to ping me out with your Walking Ballista, but if I have this down, I'm at least getting a card back out of it. Uh, you want to know what the uh, best secret tech is out of the sideboard of Kenyon's list? What? A full playset of Invisible Stalker. Oh, I saw that! Oh, I was like, yo, what is up? Get in there, draft man. Because that's the, uh, like, speaking of Innistrad, the, we forgot to mention at the top of the episode, Innistrad uh, flashback drafts are now on, triple Innistrad are on uh, Magic Online. I think so, you mean triple spider spawning draft? Uh, travel preps, bro. <laughs> travel preps. But also, though, you, you get an invisible stalker and salad it up with like, this butcher's, butcher's cleaver. Yeah, you have fun dealing with that. Because you can't touch it. <laughs> you it's you can't do it. Can't nope. do it. Mark Rosler has already said that he would fix the card where it would have hexproof as long as it's not equipped. Ah, okay. Because if the invisible man's carrying a knife, the knife's not invisible. Yeah, you, you can you can see him. At least exactly. You see the knife, the knife coming at you. Oh, yeah. So so back on back on modern a little bit. Control. Yes, they're a Jeskai and Blue White Control decks made ninth and tenth respectively. And uh, as is as people are wont to say, you may ask, but is it really control? Really? No, it's not. It's it's not. Is it? It's Jeskai. I went. I there. walked into that one. Yeah, I you did. That one. Yeah, you did, homie. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> uh. No, but this this really feels more, these control decks like they were being labeled Jeskai Tempo for a little while, which you. Tempo I'll, versus tempo versus control is a really weird, touchy kind of like gray area. I'll concede that the Jeskai deck looks more tempo-y than controlly because it is playing like Spell Queller and Geist of Saint Traft, as well as you know burn spells like Lightning Bolt and Lightning Helix. But the blue white control deck, that's a control deck. Yeah, the Jeskai one is absolutely, I would say, tempo. But yeah, you, blue white control is it's taking advantage of that good old Chad getting the trials. Uh, looking for that emblem. Also playing that spicy fun of uh, Gideon Jura, the OG like, Chad. I am so happy that the first Planeswalker I opened when I came back to Magic in well in Theros was Elspeth Sun's champion, and she's still seeing play in Modern because she's really good. I mean, yeah. Yep. Also, uh, uh, <laughs> Counters Company. Like I love how the Abzan Company deck has just been now called Counters Company because really... It's what it cares about. It's still it cares around. about Vizier of Remedies. And I hate Eldrazi Tron, but... That's understandable. It's still, like... It's it's not as powerful as it was back in the day when it was Eldrazi Winter, but it's still so annoying when you can just... They can just chunk out, like, on turn three, 
a freaking uh, Thought Not Seer and a Walking Ballista or a Reality Smasher and a Walking Ballista or just... I don't think Ballista was printed during Eldrazi Winter. Well, I'm saying what we can do now. Yes, you can do it now. Yeah. So yeah, I have Ma- I have Ugin still chunk needs out, to You can be chunk away. out a Mattery, Mattery Shaper and a Thought Not Seer on turn three. Yeah. Seems good. Seems pretty all right. Yeah. It's it's just really, like, I really, I, I do have to give it up for the players who have adapted these decks that, you know, they try to kill it and it's like, no, I want to play this. I'm going to somehow modify it. Yeah. Like Red Green Tron, thing of the past. Just doesn't exist anymore, basically. Um, right now, it's mostly mono green Tron, or black green Tron. Some play red, green some play white Tron. It's mostly black green Tron at this point because they're yeah. playing Fatal Push and Collective Brutalities, and the black uh, just straight up destroy and or targeted discard cards are a lot more powerful than the red options that the old red green Tron used to play. Yeah. Also, I mean, there's also been green white Tron. Path to Exile and stuff. Oh yeah, at the hands of uh, Tom Ross. Yep. Yeah, he's been he played that piloted that a couple times. Dredge still hitting the metagame list. Not as powerful without Dredge Six, but oh, still yeah. good. Yeah, it's a thing. Jund, you know, hanging around because it's Jund. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think the is... big thing with remember the big thing to remember whenever Wizards bans a card is it's very they're very rarely wanting to kill a deck unless the deck is very oppressive. So like Hypergenesis, no, that card's never coming off the ban list. That card needs to be banned. Splinter Twin, that did kill the deck, but that got banned. Some people still believe because they wanted to shake up the Pro Tour. I still think that Twin should have been banned a long time ago, but that's neither here nor there. We're not here to debate that. Something something Twin died for its sin, something something. Yeah, exactly. Um, Birthing but- Pod needed to go because... That deck was just going to get way better with the more creatures that have, that have been printed. Yeah. And then you have other bands that are like Eye of Ugin because they didn't want to ban Eldrazi Temple because without Temple, then you then like the Eldrazi deck is effectively dead. Could, uh, could, Burning could you, Shoal got banned imagine, because it was really good with Infect and so on. Can you imagine a Birthing Pod with stuff like Spellqueller and uh, Reflector Mage? <laughs> Uh, not so much with spell queller because queller because birthing oh, pod right, is no. only a sorcery. Oh right, sorcery. So yeah, it doesn't matter. But no, it's just reflector mage. Just like I mean, that would be mage. annoying. That'd be very annoying. <laughs> but <laughs> I would be very upset. Pod with any of the uh, Eldrazi's. But <laughs> yeah, pod into thought nuts here. This seems fun. Are we having fun yet? I'm having fun. Are you having fun? No, good. Yeah. Also, Anyways. also making a nice resurgence again, popping up is the uh, good old Death and Taxes decks back. Yep, DNT still good. Uh, by the way, DNT caused me to tilt harder than I had ever tilted before. Oh yeah, how so? Uh, I was playing on Magic Online uh, a few months ago. Okay, I was playing Storm. I was testing for a PPTQ, and I ran up against Death and Taxes, and they play Eldrazi Displacer because obviously they play Eldrazi Displacer now. Um, like even the re- not the Eldrazi in taxes, just regular death in taxes, mono white death in taxes, and they have a lean and arbiter in play, and I go okay, lean and arbiter, sure, it's annoying, I'll work around it. So on the end of their turn, I pay two for arbiter and I crack a fetch. They activate Eldrazi displacer and I go, uh oh, what are they gonna hit? And they target their arbiter, and I'm like, that's fine, I'll allow it. Arbiter blinks. I can't search my library. 
Oh, God, because it's a new instance of Arbiter, and you paid for the old instance. I have never been so tilted. I swore it was a mistake. I swore that the rules engine was wrong. I was very upset. But it was right, though, right? It, that is absolutely what happens. Okay, so it's... I was so you, upset you, that you I paid, just conceded match. So you paid for the copy that was on the battlefield. When it gets exiled and comes back, it's considered a... Uh, it's still the it's same card. It's considered a new object that you haven't paid for its ability. Beca- and also because since you pay for its ability, you put the pay for the ability on the stack, the opponent can respond Oh, no, no, to the, pay f- the pay for ability doesn't use the stack. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. The, to pay for Arbiter's ability, you don't actually use the stack. You just have to say, oh, okay. my bad. They, they did that in response to your fetch crack. Yes. Okay. That's cold-blooded, man. It it really is. It really is. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on to a format that we know a little less about because there was the Eternal Championships this past weekend. And, uh... Oh, we didn't talk about Storm, though. Oh, Storm. There's three Storm decks in the top 16, and I'm nervous. It's <laughs> about it's, it. It's, uh, it's doing its thing. I like Storm being good. I don't want it to be that good, though. Yeah, because... Now, this, we were talking about things Wizards not wanting to ban decks out. They have actively targeted Storm a lot. I will wholly admit that no one has fun when Storm is good. Except the Storm players. Well, the Storm are just playing math at that point. Yeah. Like, we don't need Rite of Flame. We don't need, like, Ponder or Preordain. We don't need Seething Song. Like, it's fine. Yeah, they'll just print, fine. They, just, they just print mana reduction on creatures now. <laughs> Barry is fine. He's a 1-3. He kills you in 20 turns. It's not a problem. <laughs> yeah, it's not that. No. <laughs> I'm aware. Anyways. Yeah, uh, but, but the, the big tech everyone's saying now is like, yeah, Storm players are just, you're, they're what now? They're doing uh, gifts on three? Uh, so, what, what's we your try take, to gifts on three? What, it depends ta- on... What's your take on that? Is it like one of those, like, always do it or situational? Depends on what's going on. I could win on turn three, actually. Um, I've, you, like, if I go turn two Baral and you don't kill it, I can win on three very easily if I have a gifts in hand. Ritual, Good. ritual and the gifts, I guess? Yeah, you, you ritual into gifts, or you just go, like, ritual, ritual, metamorphose gifts. Cat, past in flames. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Anyways. Legacy. Eternal Championships was this weekend. Um, we're not going to talk much about Vintage, but apparently the top eight of Vintage was uh, five Workshop decks and three Oath decks. Yeah. Or the other number around. Uh, no, it, which was is, five. it was five Workshops. Yeah, it, which is not unsurprising, because when everyone's playing with Busted Artifacts, the deck that plays the most Busted Artifacts is probably going to win. Um, and then Legacy, uh, Deathrite Shaman was the card of the tournament. Oh, yeah. Um, so, about that, Deathrite Shaman. That card. that That's a card. The one-mana Planeswalker. Yeah, it... I, I, remember, I can't remember the tweet that I put out. It was like... So, it's not even just really that, necessarily. It's also the fact that a lot of the top decks for it are Delver decks that are going yeah. four-color de- Delver specifically for Deathrite Shaman. Yeah. Deathrite Shaman is a very, very powerful card. Also, check... People were well, there upset was, when it got banned in Modern. There was... And there people was are calling one, it for be banned in Legacy. Yeah, there was one Legacy deck that... There was one Delver deck that didn't play it, but its numbers reflected... Of Deathrite Shaman reflected the number of Delver decks because... 
was it Andre Strasky? Yes. So was, he was on Check Pile, which is just basically four color. They call it four color Leovold, but it's just Check Pile. Uh, my favorite, uh, re- my favorite tweet or favorite writing about it was from Riley Knight, which if you don't, if you're not familiar with Riley, watch the last two Pro Tours because he's amazing oh, on commentary. He is, amazing. He's he's definitely one of my favorite commentators. He did an article about the Eternal Weekend. He talked about Andre Strasky's pile, about how it's Czech pile, which is and his quote, which I I'm, I have paraphrase. I have it. Oh, you have it. I have in front please, of me. Please, please. All right, so. Bravely unafraid of cliché, European master Andre Strasky made the legacy top eight with his signature Czech pile deck, a four-color monstrosity that is carefully assembled by dropping the contents of your legacy trade binder on the ground and then registering the first 75 cards you pick up. Just imagine <laughs> so that funny. in an Australian accent, and it gets even better. I thought Riley was British. British? It's Australian? I don't know. I forget. <laughs> We're sorry, Riley, if you're listening. Apologies. Um... So, calls for Deathrite Shaman's banning have been reoccurring, but Legacy has its own things, to put it lightly. Yeah. He's Australian. Okay, he is Australian. Excellent. Uh, But, no, it, the, I don't know. It's, I kind of hate it because I want to play Legacy, and and I'm going to be gearing up to start playing more Legacy soon, and I'm going to be able to be a little more knowledgeable on the subject, but the issue is is that I basically have Legacy Burn and Legacy Infect that I can get into right now because they're basically what I already have in terms of cards. And mine's like Mono Red Legacy Burn, so it's not... Spicy Burn. Let's put it this way. Burn is a great way to get into Legacy if you don't want to pay out the butt to play. Because you, well, you can actually... How else are you going to register 20 Arabian Nights Mountains? It's a very good, very good point. Now, it's actually one of the, it's actually one of the very few ways that you can actually like play a legacy tournament without having to spend over a thousand dollars. Yep, like it's true. you can you can build a legacy burn deck for like mid five hundred dollars easily. That yeah. said, it's really really painful to see like having to deal with. You have to have an answer for Deathrite Shaman. Like you literally have to answer that card. And it, I definitely hope that at some point in the future they take a close look at Legacy in terms of the fact that these four-color, not-white decks are just overpowering everything else in the format. Like, if you're not playing Grixis with Deathrite Shaman, which essentially makes it four-color Delver, I mean, you're not playing any green mana. Well, actually, you are. You're playing one Tropical Island, but it's still just, like, it's disgusting. Yep. Like, the sheer power of that card um, and what it does to the field. Uh, Vinny, as we've mentioned before, he actually is building um, Sultai mid-range, like Sultai Leovold, not not four-color, just three-color. And he's been playtesting against uh, one of our other friends who also plays a Sultai deck in Legacy. And um, he's been having to navigate the Deathrite Shaman mirror because that is a very interesting mirror match to try to go through. Because the funny thing about Deathrite Shaman's first ability, which exiles a land and makes a mana, that is not a mana ability. So oh. you can respond to it. Yes, it's like, I'm going to take that. It's like, no, 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 my mana. No, whoever, you don't get a mana. I get a mana. Yeah, whoever has the whoever basically has final priority with a Deathrite Shaman tap gets to do what they want to do with Deathrite Shaman. Yeah, it's very powerful. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. But Legacy looks still looks to be a fun format i'm hoping to play it 
if life calms down by April in uh, GP Seattle. It's not even Seattle Tacoma this year. It's just Seattle, huh. which is nice. I think they're actually doing it at the convention center in downtown. Which yeah, is, that makes sense. I mean, well, last time they did Seattle Tacoma, and it was in Tacoma, and everyone's like, what is this? This is in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you lied to me. Probably did it for name recognition purposes. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. who wants to go to, to GPT Tacoma? Exactly. Eh. But that so, said, Legacy still looks good. Um, the Eternal Weekend looks pretty fun. Uh, they actually, the cool thing was is they had the, uh, I think it was Black Lotus, the vintage champ, got a huge artwork of the the new, God, I can't remember the artist of it. Chris Ron? No, no, yeah. no, this was not Chris Ron. This is not, this is the, this is the art done specifically for the trophy. Yeah. Um, and is it's not Moeller. I forget who did it. Yeah. Uh, but it's amazing art. Oh yeah, for the Black Lotus, it's they absolutely did justice to it. You don't, you, you basically put it this way: you don't get Black Lotus um, without you don't get the Black Lotus art. Uh, you don't get assigned to do power unless you're good at what you do. Yeah, it's it's just incredible looking art. Dang it! Show me the art. <laughs> Trying to find it <laughs> real quick before we go. Oh, um. Steve Belladin, I think it was. That's right. It was yeah, Belladin. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's gorgeous. Go look up the art for it. Um, all the colors are there. It's better than the uh, vintage. No offense to Chris Ron. Because that one's pretty awesome too. But uh, That's debatable, but we're not here to debate art. Uh, let's go. Game on. <laughs> no, I, I personally enjoy the new Belladin art on it just because it's a little more colorful and is and it has a way to incorporate kind of all of the colors in there. Black Lotus is kind of great in that it's just there's the skeleton with this cracked skull behind it, which is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. But Arena, uh, MTG Arena. I don't remember if we talked about this last time. Uh, I don't think we did, but we might have. I don't remember. Whatever. It's been a while. But yeah, we talked a little it, bit about duels, about yes. its replacement. So yeah, MTG Arena is the replacement for Magic Duels. Uh, closed beta keys are being sent out right now. People are getting them. Uh, because on November 3rd, I believe, if you have the code, they're doing a server stress test. Yeah. Because what's the number one thing that happens when a new game comes out and it Every, has online play? Everybody and their mother crashes the server. The server crashes. It's, oh, yeah. It's just, it's just what happens. Like this morning, literally, it happened with Destiny PC when it came out. <laughs> Apparently, people were saying like in the lower level, like public sections, it was really, really chugging along. Yeah. Everyone was low light that time, but yeah, no. Um, I'm I'm happy to see that they are doing a server stress test, like, which is smart. Yeah. Um. So like we said, initially it has Ixalan standard only cards, and should be interesting to see how this works once they start pumping more cards into it. Um. I mean, there's already been the talk about how they want to make sure that your cards aren't just useless once standard rotates, and so there's talk about whether they're going to make, like, a new modern starting with Ixalan or starting with Kaladesh or whatever. Um, I'm not that skeptical or that, um, maybe not skeptical, not that cynical, Um, but we'll see. I'm I'm hopeful, and I hope Arena does well. Oh, I I will absolutely be trying to play... um, the uh what's it called the beta as much as i can i I know i wanted to do it with when uh what's it called came out 
uh, eternal, but life kind of took a twist. We'll talk about that next week, I think. Yeah. Um, in terms of life and magic, uh, for both life, John, ba- life magic balance. Yeah, for both John and myself, we'll be talking about that next week. But um, I definitely feel like I know it's only coming out on PC initially, and God, I want it to come out on on the iPad as quickly as possible, so I can just tool around with it in my room at random places. Um, I will absolutely use my phone as a hotspot to play <laughs> if they let me. So uh, it'll be fun, uh, I think. It. I'm I'm very curious to get my hands on it. I I don't. They have been doing a lot of streams. There was actually a stream today of some of the beta testing. Uh, they, yes. They've been doing a lot of these small little preview streams, which I think is great. Um, unfortunately, a lot of them are while I'm at work, so I can't really <laughs> I can't really like watch and or be in. A the lot chat. of them are while wizards are at work, but East Coast and Central Time Zone people are off of work. Yeah. It's weird. It's it's the blessing and the curse of being on the West Coast, I guess. So, uh, it, it is, it, I can't, like, I don't want to, I don't want to put any kind of judgment on anything I've seen, any kind of gameplay footage, especially watching these streams and stuff like that. Cause I have gone back and watched a little tiny bit of them, uh, in retrospect, but it's definitely something that looks like I need to get my hands on before I should even pass any kind of judgment. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially with what we've seen and all the other stuff. That's been going on with it. So, yeah, it's it's had a def. It's definitely had an interesting development phase. I really hope that we get the story of its development, kind of like how we got the story of the various incarnations of Magic Online. Yes, absolutely. Because that kind of that kind of little information stuff, I love just reading up on. It's like, okay, that's how we got to where we are right now. I am really excited to eventually learn what the in-game economy is going to look like because. Honestly, in my opinion, that is what I think will make or break Magic Arena, is whether the in-game economy is um, easily, it is easy to assemble the decks you need, because in in digital card games with a buying and with a pack opening and dusting system, you need to make sure that the economy is reasonable and not super money grabby. Also, you you really want to avoid the pay to win kind of moniker. Yeah, getting getting hung with that pay to win uh, placard is really really not a good thing for your game. It no that no like no. for other for other games out there pay to win okay people are okay with doing it but when it comes to a recognizable brand such as Magic you really don't want that especially with the hotly contested uh, space that is the mtg community just in terms of paying for things yeah i mean there's an argument that magic the gathering the paper game is kind of pay to win but that's that's a different thing entirely (laughs) it's a different thing entirely no yeah it that that just all comes down to the reserve list and card availability Reserved list, secondary market, blah blah blah. You're playing. You're playing with pieces of paper that are 25 years old. Yeah, it's yeah. It's one of those. It's one of those things. You look at it and it's like, man, I get why they did it. I understand the paper thing, and I get it. But I, it's one question that I would love to ask somebody who is like, even if it was a uh, Richard Garfield himself or something like that. It's like, if you had an inkling. 
that 25 years from now, this will be as popular as it was, would you change the medium in which you printed the cards on? That'd be interesting. Like, if you if you had any kind of idea that, yes, this is going to be absolutely insanely popular, maybe we should put it on something that can survive time. I would love to ask that question at some point. Um, that would also be an interesting the funny, question. The funny part is, though, is you also have to take into account technology in 1990. Yeah, that's the other issue, is what's the technology like in, when they make the when they made the game? So, yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah, because you could just be like, oh, you just put it on cardstock, like, uh, you know... Poker playing cards, like, uh, but can you though? Can you though? But can, but can you? <laughs> Anyways, that's it. That's gonna that's gonna do it for us. Constructed looks good, honestly. Yes. Um, in terms of standard and modern, legacy yeah. and vintage, John and I aren't aren't too well versed in, and given now, Eternal Weekend is kind of a weird beast in of itself, in that it's a very it's a smaller pool but then again you're not going to get huge groups of people to get a good i mean they had like 400 people for vintage well i'm saying like you're not going to get like the kind of picture of a metagame that you would with a modern tournament every week a standard tournament every week that's true that that said it's not absolutely terrible that's i would say for like it's definitely fine legacy anyway shops i heard mm, i would rather never play a shop if i was playing vintage i would never want to hit a shop's mirror it just seems painful. Uh, Masher's Workshop. I almost <laughs> bought that card once. I was like, so, I was building oh. a, a artifact commander deck, and I thought this card would be cool. And Why is it five hundred dollars? Oh, vintage is the thing. No, but actually, right before before we go, that's kind of a thing though. Like with shops, touchy situation for especially the further back you go, given the amount of time these are card availability prices. A lot of these cards that are super powerful in this game, not Deathrite Shaman, but Mistress Workshop, it's a pricey card, man. Like, yeah, you don't want to be like, okay, uh, we've now restricted this card, and all yeah. of a sudden you're dealing with people who are out a couple of thousand bucks. They might have just gotten their playset of it, and it's like, wait, why can't I do this now? Like, the big a, thing that, to it's remember a literal with... th- it's a literal thousand dollar card right now. The other thing to remember about uh, those types of restrictions uh, and those bannings is that wizards cannot acknowledge that fact. They can, they just can't acknowledge it. If they acknowledge that they banned a card or restricted a card for monetary concerns, who? Oh no, it wouldn't be monetary concerns. It would be the fact is like they almost have to take that into account. It's like mm, yes, they have, they to, have take to take it into, into account, account, but they, but they can't, can't actually, actually comment on it. Yeah, it's that weird, lovely space. But we don't have to worry about that in modern standard. We don't. That's true. They can reprint all the cards they want. Oh, and, sp- and kind of like speaking of that though, like standards relatively affordable right now. That's true. We're no- we are so far away from the thousand dollar standard. That's oh, nice. Yeah, like the most expensive deck is like the Sultai Energy decks, and that's just because Scarab God's an expensive card and Hostage Taker spiked, and yeah. also Botanical Sanctum. That card's gone up a bunch too lately, but that's just because it's being. Played green, everywhere. Green blue right now is a very good place to be in terms of the color pie. <laughs> yeah, it certainly but, is. But that said, it, it looks fun. Um, I've enjoyed the standard that I've played a little bit. Kind of on a side note, but still constructed. Popper, fun. Popper sounds fine. It is fun. Yep. 
I haven't really dug into the metagame. I'm trying to get back into it just a little bit because I have a tournament next weekend. So I can talk about that next week because of magic life balance and how the heck am I going to practice for this. So Exactly. It'll be fun. So, so Ian, if people wanted to find you on the social medias, where can they do so? You guys can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ. That's D-I-X-O-N-I-J. And on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dix. God knows when I'm ever going to be able to stream again because my life is crazy. But coming up in not but less than a month, starting on the 17th of November, it's Desert Bus time again. Dun, dun, so dun. The good people at Loading Ready Run um, are going to be doing Desert Bus for Hope charity fundraiser. Uh, there are going to, apparently, I kind of heard that apparently Wizards dumped a ton of stuff for them this year again. So there should be some spicy stuff. They actually put some of the prizes up already. So go check it out, desertbus.org. Um, watch November 10th, or 17th starting at 10 a.m. Pacific. It's going to be a fun time. I'll actually probably be going up there for a couple days, not the entire run this year. But a couple days. So look for me there in a couple weeks. But yeah, Twitch. Is, is Desert Bus at least after your deadline that we talked about previously? Yeah, no. In the <laughs> in the in in the middle of. But we'll work that out somehow. Wonderful. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about it. But John, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwally129 and on Twitch at the same handle. Uh, I'm also that name on various other uh interests and outlets uh as an example and in case i i definitely told you guys last time uh, but i'm currently a writer for the eternal card game at newmont gaming so you can also find me there talking about a different card game that's not magic he does good stuff check it out i try no seriously anyways it's good stuff (laughs) and anyways thank you guys so much for tuning in and we'll talk to y'all next time